Open your Bibles with me in Psalms 37, verse 23. Pastor Brooks, a couple weeks ago, he told me he had a wedding to do this weekend. Um, got back yesterday evening, late, late last night, and he wanted to go spend some time with Ashley. Ashley is going to school out in Weatherford. I believe the Absher clan is kind of out there occupying Weatherford at this time, too, so... I believe Pastor Brooks just wanted to go be with Ashley at church this morning in, in Weatherford and be with his granddaughter. He hadn't seen her in a little while, so he asked me if I would speak this morning. Please bear with me as I work through the Word this morning with you. Have you ever had a decision to make? Just keep that in mind as we go through today's service. I'll be asking you that question one more time during my message. In Psalms 37, 23, we're going to talk about David this morning. David is an interesting Bible character. There's many aspects of his life, many highs and lows in his life. And I want to talk to you this morning just about him. And I like to study the contrast between David's destiny, what happened in David's life, and where he was heading. We all know that he was anointed to be king at a young age. I thought about how, in a sense, he was anointed at 16. He had no choice. We've kind of all been 16 us adults and some of you youth are right at 16 years old and what it would be like at 16 years old to be called off of the the field where you're taking care of sheep brought in and a prophet anoints you to be the next king that's kind of a little overwhelming for a 16 year old i believe but god spoke it through samuel so it had to be it had to happen but there was a sense in David's early decisions that either supported him being king or maybe it sabotaged him at being a king. I, don't, I want to talk this morning about decisions. I think it's important that we look at David's decisions. One thing that he said at the end of his life, which is right where you are at Psalms 37. This is at the end of David's life. Let's read that real quick. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for what you have done for us thus far. Lord, we've come here to worship you, to honor you, to give back to you. And Lord, now we open your word. May it be a light unto our path and a lamp unto our feet. Father, may we see your direction for our lives. May we understand about the decisions that life brings us, whether we need to go. In your mighty name we pray, amen. I'm going to try it. God is good. <laughs> hey, it works. <laughs> the steps of a good man are ordered. Ordered. You know, in a court of law, you gather evidence to do what? To come to a verdict. You gather evidence as a jury. You listen to both sides of of, of a decision that needs to be made. Someone's either guilty or not guilty or someone owes money or they don't owe money. Something did something wrong. But they gather the evidence and you hear both sides of this case and either a jury or a judge listens to all that evidence and they say they're either guilty or not guilty based upon the evidence. I would like to ask you to think about faith. I believe that faith is a little bit different. We all have a destiny for our lives. We're headed somewhere. 
And God has probably planted something inside of your heart of where you need to be in a future time frame. And I believe as faith-believing people that we walk our walk, which is the verdict to establish the end of our life. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Now as a child of God, you gather evidence to support the verdict of God's goodness. We sing about God's goodness. I already know that God is good. I already know that God is for me and not against me. I already know that I am more than a conqueror through him. I already know that God is with me. And I find out that usually you will collect the evidence to support whatever verdict that you have already decided deep down inside your heart. David decided that he was going to be king. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. What's interesting about that verse, that everything in David's early life seemed to contradict what he had concluded at the end of his life. God had anointed him to be king at a very young age, and he stepped through some many difficult times. There's always a space between something God shows you and the experience of it. For 15 years, he has been running from Saul. He's been everywhere but the palace, it seems. Saul has been chasing him. Saul has been throwing swords at him. God is determining David's next move. Maybe. But it seems like Saul has been determining David's next move. If you'll turn with me in 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse 1, we find David in Ziglag. Ziglag is a, is a surprising place to find the future king of Israel in. Why? Because it's Philistine territory. If you remember David and Goliath, Goliath was a Philistine. So in 2 Samuel, we find David camped out in Ziglag. And there he hears the story it comes to him from another battlefield that Saul is dead. Saul is dead, and all of Saul's sons are dead. Jonathan is dead. Jonathan is, is David's best friend. You would think that Jonathan would be a rival to David, but he was his best friend. He finds out that David, David finds out that, that Saul had been killed by Saul's own sword. He had died on his own sword. And I believe that many times that when we, we've been fighting against something our whole lives, just like David's been fighting against Saul for 15 years, that God's going to kill whatever you've been fighting against on its own sword. The stuff that you spend your whole life fighting against, God is going to kill it on its own sword. David goes into a period of sorrow and mourning, desperation. You would think that he would be celebrating at the death of Saul, but he honors the king of Israel by mourning him. David, in 2 Samuel chapter 1, he writes a, a lament. This is Hebrew poetry. Lament means a sorrowful song. I'll just share just a little bit of it with you. How the mighty have fallen in the midst of the battle. He's referring to Saul. Jonathan was slain in your high places. 
I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. You have been very pleasant to me. Your love to me was wonderful. Turn to your neighbor and say, shift. Shift. David is at a decision point in his life. It's a shifting situation. David knows that he has got to stop mourning now and move on. He's had a life of kind of torment with Saul, going back and forth, being battled with Saul. And now he comes and hears that Saul is dead. He's mourning him. There comes a time in his life that he needs to stop mourning. I believe every one of us have had a period of mourning. I lost my dad a couple years ago. And I often reach for my cell phone and think, I could call dad. Never, never mind, I can't call dad. Dad's not there anymore. There comes a time in your life when you need to stop mourning over someone else. Just like David needed to stop mourning over Saul. Samuel had anointed Saul to be king. There comes a time when Samuel needed to stop mourning over Saul. There comes a time that Saul had been cried for, had been prayed for by Samuel. Samuel needed to fill his horn with oil and anoint Samuel's plan B is now God's plan A and anoint David as king because David was a man after God's own heart. David has decided to step into what God had set him apart for. God has called every one of us into some type of form of ministry. Maybe you're a truck driver. Maybe you're an attorney. Maybe you're a school teacher. Maybe you're an architect. Maybe you're a businessman. Whatever you are, God has called you and destined you for you to be part of some type of ministry. Your purpose in life is to fulfill that calling. David is at another decision point. What is God calling him truly to do? Do you have a decision to make this morning? Is there something going on in your life that you need to make a decision about? What portfolio to put your finances in for retirement? David's decision to be king was an epic decision. But I believe through Scripture that we learn how David did what he did, how he became king. We learn through Scripture what he did to become this king, how he decided that what God had set him apart for, he would now step into. What David did when it came time for him to decide that Saul is dead now, and how do I step into what God had set me apart for so many years ago? The issue is how to get there when to get there, when and where he needed to go. Any conversation about trust involves time. Trust takes time. Trust and time are inseparable. Trust takes time. Trust takes time. Stop giving your first time that you've been with someone your family history. They, don't, they haven't earned that information. They don't deserve that information yet. Wait six months before you give someone those intimate details about your family. Wait six months and tell them about your crazy stepmom. <laughs> Wait six months. Tell them all the details about your family. Trust takes time. In 2 Samuel 2, verse 1, 
I've read this in a couple different versions, and I think I like it the best in the NIV when it says, in the course of time. In the course of time. The Bible says, in the course of time. It's a strange little phrase about the narrative of David. It's used throughout there. It signifies a shift, a shift in the course of time. We don't know how long this is. We don't know exactly what happened during that time it's referring to, but it's a significant phrase that tells us in the course of time, something happened right there. So let's read in 2 Samuel 2, 1. This is the New King James Version. It says, it happened after this. The NIV says, in the course of time, David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I go up to any of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said to him, go up. David said, where shall I go up? And he said to Hebron. That's kind of interesting to me. Have you ever asked God a question? Have you ever asked God, how do I do something? What should I do in this situation? And you expect to hear from God on this situation? Well, right here, David asked God two questions, and he answered them almost immediately there. God, where should I go, he says, to this, one of the cities of Judah? And the Lord says, yeah, go up to Hebron. Right there, he knows exactly what he needs to do. Wouldn't you love to have that kind of clear insight with God? That you hear from God exactly what you need to do, where you need to go, and how you need to get there? They have this cool little device on my phone called Google. You ever use that? You ever Googled something? It's a term in our society right now. You, you're looking for an answer for something, and everybody pulls out their phone and they Google it. Within the first three or four words, you get that, that question typed out. It already has a list of questions that are similar to the one you're already asking. And it more than likely, it'll tell you how to fix your car. It'll tell you how to fix that plumbing problem that you're having. But it probably won't tell you maybe some major decisions in your life. Right? Some important things in your life. David is asking God about his life. What should I do next in my life, Lord? I think that the principles that David used in his epic life to become king are the same principles that we can use to govern our own lives here and now. I'm not that epic. You're probably not that epic. But I think the principles are the same. They can be used universally. For 15 years, God, I've been running from Saul for 15 years. God, I don't, I don't need to know anything other than what my next step is. Maybe some of you are asking today, is my marriage over? Is this relationship with my sister over? Has it gone too far? What is my next step, God? I've kind of had some intimate, personal conversations with God over some things that I should be doing in my own life. And we're talking about steps, right? Ordered steps. I've I've been dealing with Riker. Many of you know he has eczema. And if you don't know anything about this disease, my son has a severe case of eczema. I've seen my wife pull off sheets off of his bed and hold up the sheet, and you can see blood stains all over the sheets. 
where my son has scratched and scratched and scratched. He's constantly itching, constantly hurting. We were at the doctor earlier this year listening to the doctor tell us in almost the same breath that she is telling me how good of a medicine, a new medicine is, how it's going to help his eczema. In the same breath, she's telling me how bad it could be on his kidneys. Do you have a decision to make? Several months ago, I had a decision to make. Should I put Riker on this medicine? What should I do about his eczema? He's suffering really bad. Some of you have shared things to help him, and they have helped. But he's not whole yet. But I'm believing God for some wholeness in his body. I'm believing God for that. Sometimes we come in contact with people who are just weird. You ever been around somebody who is just weird and strange? Sometimes weird people tell you some weird things. Sometimes people tell you, hey, I wore a purple shirt today because God told me that's the color of royalty. It just sounds weird. You hear it and it first strikes you as this is weird, man. Decisions are the same way. I've heard some weird people say some weird things about God. Some things pastors told me about, he's counseled some people and they told them, hey, I'm leaving my mate to go be with someone else because God told me to. Show me that in the word. So they're telling you something that contradicts the word of God. It's weird. It's strange. And what it causes us to do is to say, Lord, I want you to tell me something, but there ain't no way I'm going to tell anybody else about what you've told me. Right? Because there's a lot of weird. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you weird? Are you weird? Back to Google. Don't you wish Google could tell you the important things of life and how to make decisions? What medicine you should give Riker? How you should give it? Is it going to affect his kidneys? I got a feeling about David. David was at an important decision-making principle in his life. Should I go and be the king that you anointed me to be 15 years ago, God? That's what he's really saying right there. I have a feeling that David inquired of the Lord, should I go up to one of the towns in Judah? Should I go there, Lord? He's inquiring of the Lord, should I go? But if we look in Scripture, it tells us that he already knew where he needed to go. You see, in Scripture, it tells us about the spoils of war. Do you know what that is? It's where a land has been conquered, and they take all the jewelry, they take all the food, they take all the things that are possessed, and they take them, and they send them somewhere else. The people who conquered them, they take them over. Well, these things that David takes, the spoils of war, have been taken from them by the Philistines, and he sends those spoils of war where? To Hebron. I don't have to stress about what God's will is on my life. If I'm walking with the Lord each and every day, 
if I'm walking with him each and every day, if my steps are ordered by the Lord, I don't have to take a seven-day fast, a 21-day fast to find out a decision from the Lord because I'm walking with the Lord every day. God's ways are not our ways. Turn to your neighbor and say, submission. You need to just submit. All the steps David took away from the throne, 15 years into the land of the Philistines, into the place of Ziglag, while it looked like he was moving away from the promises of God, he was moving into submission. Submission, the steps of a good man are ordered. Ordered. Where were you at on September 16th, 1991? Some of you were not even alive. It's not one of those space shuttle or who shot the president dates. But for some people like me, I was standing in front of an officer in the United States Air Force and I was raising my right hand. And I said that I would defend this nation against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and that I would obey the orders, orders of the officers appointed over me. That's what they do in the military. They obey orders. Let's look at that scripture one more time. Let's understand the word orders. If we considered the word order, because when David went to God, David didn't give his opinion. He said, where do you want me to go? What's the next order, Lord? When you live like that, when you receive the orders from the Lord, you can have total confidence in every move you make. Every breath you take, you can take whether you're moving away from your goal or towards your goal. You can know that you're in submission, and submission brings peace. Submission brings peace. When you try to get your strategy before your submission, you're out of order. You're out of order. Your steps are ordered by the Lord. Understand that you're saying that God doesn't take the step for you. You take the step because you've been ordered to take the step. A lot of things that aren't working in my life, typically I can identify real quickly that it's because I'm out of order. I've stepped out of the proper order of things. The five times that Nicole and I have fought in our 24 years of marriage, just five, (laughs) just the five times that we have fought, I've realized that I'm out of order. When I put myself in front of Nicole, I'm out of order. I need to be lifting her up. I need to be treating her like Christ tells us to treat her, like he treats the church. If I'm skipping steps, I'm out of order. God will tell you what step number one is. God will tell you what step two is. He automatically knows what step you need to take. Deep down inside your heart, you know what that is. But David's life is a life is interesting. How when he was in order, everything seemed to flow. The oil flows when you're in order. The Bible says that he inquired of the Lord, shall I go up to one of the cities of Judah? Which isn't, by the way, the way to the capital city, Jerusalem, where he would ultimately be king. God sent him to Judah, where he became king of Judah. It would be seven and a half more years before he ever stepped into the kingship 
over Israel. David had been making moves. He had been sending the spoils of war to Judah to prepare the way. He knew exactly where he needed to go. He was just checking in with the Lord. Lord, where do I need to go? He already knew where he needed to go. Many times we need to just check in with the Lord and say, what do I need to do? God had taught David to submit. Submit. If you can receive this message today, submit your desires to God. God will tell you what to do when you delight yourself in him. I kind of wish that that scripture was written a little bit different. I think for today's society, if it said, if I delight myself in the Lord, he will show me the steps I need to take. If I delight myself in him, because David had been in a position for 15 years, he had been standing on, on a step. And for 15 years, he's been here. Lord, I don't want to move unless you want me to move. I don't want to go in any different direction than what you want me to go. I want to be right where you need me to be. I don't want to step down. And I don't want to step up unless you want me to step up. I don't want to move unless you want me to move. David couldn't be king until he had learned to be shepherd. That's what's wrong with Saul. Saul had began to, to be king before he was ever ready to be king. There was something that David needed on the bottom step, on the downward step, that he needed so that he could be up on the top step. God not only knows where, but he knows what and he knows when. And, he, and now that I know that, I can trust him because trust takes time. When I say my steps are ordered, I mean that not only those steps that I feel like are taking me up, but it's about the steps that are taking me down. The steps that take us maybe back to Riker's situation. Because it feels like that isn't an upward movement. That feels like a downward movement. Riker's been suffering with eczema for five years, and it seems like this past year we have battled with it so much that it seems like it's getting worse. I've taken him to the dermatologist. I've, I've got the dermatologist's cell phone number. I, I keep in contact with her when, when his eczema flares up. And so we went to see him again. The first time we had saw him, she, she told me about a medicine, and I said no. I said, no, I don't want to give my son a medicine that could potentially affect his kidneys. He's already hurting bad enough right now. And I walked away from that. His eczema kind of flared up again a couple months later. Nicole couldn't go with me. I had taken, it was just me and Riker in the car. I pulled into the dermatologist, and I'm in a down, down spot right now. You want your children to be whole. You want your children to be healthy. You don't want blood-stained sheets. So there I am. I'm sitting in the car with Riker. I probably got a few tears in my eyes. I've been asking God, I want my son healed. I want him whole, God. 
And in the sweetest stillness of God's voice, he told me, he said, is his present suffering worth the what if? Turn to your neighbor and say, what if? You ever heard somebody say, well, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if this happens? I've learned through that situation that we can say what if all day long. What if? But what the doctor's telling me is that this medicine will help him. But what if it could affect his kidneys? I walked away from that. I took him inside. I told him, let's put him on the medicine. Because you say it's going to help him. And we're going to check on that. We're going to have his blood drawn. And we're going to know if he's going to get any better. I don't have to worry about the what ifs anymore. The sequence to this is that you got to take the steps that you need to take where you feel like you need to take them. The principles of David's decision is that he was walking with the Lord. I need to pray with, to God. I need to understand that God's not always going to give you the vocal answer that you need right in, in the moment that you need it. But I'm walking with him, and I'm, I have confidence in him. My steps are ordered. Are all your steps ordered? Ask yourself that. Are all your steps ordered? Are the steps that you're taking in an upward movement, a new job, a new car, a new house, a new portfolio? Should I go with Apple or Mac in a portfolio? Are all your steps ordered or the steps that are taking you down? Are those ordered too? Are those steps ordered that are taking you down? I would have to say that they are. When Peter asked Christ, he said, Christ, go establish your kingdom now. Go establish your kingdom now. You're here now. Go establish your kingdom now. And Christ said, no. I got to go to the cross I got to go to the cross to establish my kingdom. That's a downward movement. Christ's steps were ordered by the Lord to go down to the cross because Christ had to go to the tomb, because Christ had to shed his blood. Christ had to be whipped. Christ had to hang on the cross so that he could go down, down in the tomb, down in the tomb like Jonah at the bottom of a well, saying, I hate those people. I don't want to go preach to those people. It's about sequence. To go preach to those people means they had to go to the well first. To save you and I, Christ had to go to the cross first. To save you and I, blood had to be shed first. It's about going down. It's about sequence. When I was a little boy, my mom would take me to piano lessons. And the bad part is I hate Henry Falcons because I don't know piano like Henry Falcons knows piano. You know, a piano has how many keys on it? 88 keys, 88 ivory keys. And you can hit any one of those keys that you want to hit at any given time. And you're either going to sound like me, who I can play Mary Had a Little Lamb like no other, or you're going to sound like Henry, who can play a scale. Play a scale, Henry. Turn him up. 
all thrown off now. There you go. Give him a hand. It's about sequence. You can hit any key that you want to hit. You can play any note that you want to hit. But if you don't hit the right one right after the other one, it doesn't sound so good. It's about sequence. Play, play, play just a couple of notes, Henry. Okay. <laughs> okay, make it sound a little better. Play, play a couple of notes, maybe more than two. <laughs> somewhere with that it's about sequence and how you play those notes change, change the order of the notes that you just played hopefully you remember those <laughs> okay that sounds pretty good change, now I'm again I'm not very musically inclined I don't know some of these terms I'm making this up as I go change Change the sound of that. Don't you go up in a key or something like that? Yeah, there we go. There we go. Add a little bit of rhythm to that. Yeah. Those are the same notes he was playing a while ago. an illustration thank you thank you give him a hand God's going to show you the order that you need to take the steps you need to take it's important that we know that it's important that we understand that life is going to send you down sometimes it's going to take you down some steps that you don't want to go down. It's going to take you to some places where you see your son suffering sometimes. But one thing I know about God is he has never failed me yet. He has never failed me yet. And at my worst day, at the bottom of what I think is really, really bad, it can't compare to what Christ went through. It can't compare with things that I don't even know about. David says, should I go to Hebron? And God says, yeah, go to Hebron. All because David had been walking with God. You don't have to fast for 21 days to figure out what the next step it is for your life. Just continually walk with God each and every day, and it'll come to you. God will speak to you. He'll figure out what you need right then and right there. How do I know this? Because it says in the next verse, it says, it got my attention. It said, David inquired of the Lord. The men of Judah met him 
in that place in Hebron, they anointed David to be king over the tribe of Judah in the place of his next step. It's about order. It's about sequence. It's about shifting during the time of mourning and sorrowfulness. It's about moving with God, not beyond God, but moving with God. He's going to teach you. He's going to show you. And I'm going to praise him right now. I'm going to praise him for the healing he's going to bring to my son's life. You're going to praise him for that job that you're about to get. You're going to praise him for the decisions that you need to make in life. Simply put, your steps are ordered with God. Your steps are ordered because you're already there. You're walking with the Lord.